For some of you that have been away, we want to say welcome back to you. Some of you have welcomed Jeff and I back. We were away for a couple weeks on vacation and got to travel out around through this province, which was our first time together doing that. And uh, we went out through the whole Gaspésie region and saw amazing things and marveled at God's beauty. If you have not seen Quebec outside of Montreal, you need to. It's worth it. Also, I highly recommend jumping off a mountain. I did it, and it was awesome. And you should definitely each also do the same thing, no matter what your spouse says. And uh, yeah, so we're glad to be back today. Uh, if you have your smartphone or you have your, uh, your tablet, you want to open up the Evangel app. And on there are all the announcements, all the information of everything that we do. And also you can follow along with our notes for what we're going to be looking at as we look into God's word today. So jump into that. We're going to start a new um, Sunday morning series today, and it's going to go for a while. I haven't decided yet how long it's going to go, and uh, when it's done, I'll let you know. But we're going to start it today, and we're calling it the Unforced Rhythms of Grace. You want to say that with me? It's a great phrase. Unforced. See, you're, only, you're not trying. Only the front three rows said that the rest of you are like, she can't see me. I can see you. I could see you in the balcony, okay? So we're going to say it together. One, two, three. Unforced rhythms of grace. Didn't that feel good? Just rolling through your mouth like that. And many of you are, I just want to kind of set it up and introduce it a little bit this morning. Many of you are familiar with Jesus' words, which we've talked about a lot in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, where he said, why don't you read it with me? Come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Don't you just go, Oh, yeah. You know, that's what... We, we referenced this scripture a number of times in the summer through the end of July and in August when we were doing our series called um, Restoring My Soul, Exploring Sabbath. And, and that was for us, at least for me, it was a little bit different series than what we normally do here at Evangel. A little bit of a, just a different, different approach, different take on things. We, we decided to walk through what's, what the Bible says, some of what the Bible says about the idea of Sabbath, of taking rest, because God has called us to rest. And then we kind of went from there into looking at why we don't rest, because most of us don't, and what it is that drives us to not rest in this crazy, busy world that we live in. And then we even talked about, um, you know, trusting the God who is outside of time, the God who's outside of time, trusting that that God has given us all the time we need to do and to live as he's called us to, which sounds lovely on Sunday morning. But can I just tell you, you know, I just, I really believe in being honest with you. And, you know, I know I'm up here, and, but I'm just a regular person. And can I just tell you that I'm up here Sunday mornings going, God has given you all the time you need. Just relax. And then I would wake up Monday morning and go, ah, right? Like some of you do as well, going, I, I have way too much to do. I don't have enough time. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I would grit my teeth and go, listen, pastor. 
you got to practice what you preach or you can't preach no more. So I would go, okay, I'm going to rest and just, and, you know, and then find out that, that God actually is, he actually is big enough. Hello? God actually is, he actually is big enough. Now, sometimes I had to make some different choices and sometimes I had to say no to some things so I could, you know, uh, make it a priority to take rest when God calls me to rest and I'm not, I'm not there yet. But just, I just want you to know, I'm working through it too. And quite a number of you came to me talking about how you were trying to work through it and going, this has been a little bit helpful for me. I've never really looked at Sabbath and explored it in this way before. And, and we intentionally gave time in our services. We said, let's just try it right now. Let's just, let's just explore that a little bit right now or consider what it might look like. And I think for a number of us, it quietly um, just started or restarted to just, just reshape us a little bit. Kind of this gentle calling back to what Jesus said in this scripture in Matthew 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we, so we looked at that. This summer. Now, now for many years, and we're going to get back to this series we're starting today, but, but for a number of years, um, as I read scripture and when I, when I do it, whether it's in my own devotional time or I'm using uh, to, to speak on Sunday morning or whatever, I, I like to go sometimes to different versions, different translations of scripture, uh, different paraphrases of scripture even to help me understand what the full, what, what it is we're talking about here. Now, if you aren't aware and you don't know what I'm talking about, in that just now. Original Christian scripture was written in the original languages were primarily Hebrew and Greek. There's a little bit of Aramaic thrown in there as well, but primarily Hebrew and Greek was the original language of the scripture as we have it. And there have been years and, and scads of scholars, rigorous scholarship that has gone through the years attempting to translate that so that it's accessible and translated into every language around the world as we discover these languages so that, so that the Bible and God's word can be accessible to every single person in the world. And so, and so it's been translated into English too and been translated into English, of course, a number of of times, which, which gives us then different versions, different translations of scriptures. And, and when you're doing this work of translating scripture, and I am no expert by any means, but when you're doing this work, it's not just that you need to translate accurately from the original language, from the Hebrew or from the Greek, but you also have to translate it accurately to the current language that you're, you're taking it to, right? And so as you probably are aware, or maybe not, but English language has been around a long time, but it has changed over the years. And so if you, for example, in school had to study like I did William Shakespeare and Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet, I mean, they tell me it's English. It doesn't look like no English I speak. And so it's changed. It is English, but it's not today's English that we speak in Canada. So you've got you to navigate that challenge when you're translating scripture. And then you have um, kind of a spectrum of philosophy of translation when you're translating scripture. And at one end of the spectrum is you're translating word for word, exactly word for word. And at the other end of the spectrum, you're translating thought for thought. And just about every translation, 
translation falls somewhere between those two ends, word for word or thought for thought. And, and both of those have, all of those have, have some merit to them and they have validity. And, and you understand that, of course. And the reason you understand it is most of you speak more than one language. And we live in a city that speaks many languages. We live in this multilingual society in Montreal, so, so we understand the challenges of translation. So I'm telling you all of that because I, I, that's why I like to look at different translations of Scripture because it helps me to flesh out the meaning and to understand just some of the nuances that might be there. Sometimes I like to go with uh, versions that seem a little more academic. And sometimes I like to go with versions that are a little more just, you know, down to earth, cut through the nonsense. My dad calls it slapping you up the side of the head, that, that version, right? And to me, the message is one of those versions. It's right down, down to earth, simple, common sense. And so can I just tell you what Matthew 11, 28 to 30 looks like in the message? It's one of the versions I like. I wouldn't use it exclusively, but it does help to flesh out some of what's been said. So here's how, here's how that looks in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, Jesus says. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And is that just lovely? And I, I, just, I just find that so helpful. And I love that phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, because it sounds like so, it's just so inviting. And it's, it's restful. And it, it sounds like something that is good and something that is deep and something that is going to make sense in, in a day-to-day -day life of faith when I live in a really crazy, busy world. So, so I took that phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace, as the title for this series that we're going to go into. Now, now here's some of the, some of the challenges, were, maybe problems, whatever you want to call it. I, a couple of problems that sometimes we might run into, actually. So, so just let me, for some, for some of us as Christians, we're all just working through our faith and trying to figure out how it looks. And for some of us, being a Christian has been um, boiled down to, or it means sin management, that's what being a Christian is, sin management. And it becomes the main idea of our faith. And by sin, I mean acting or living in a way that doesn't reflect God, that doesn't put God first. It's, it's basically being rebellious or prideful, even if that's not how I mean it, because I, I'm, I'm quietly or outwardly, doesn't matter how, working, living against God's priorities, choosing my way and then saying, okay, God, could you come in and fill the rest? So the, anything, you know, that, that's falling in, that is not putting God first, uh, you know, is, is what we're talking about when we talk about sin. And so then Christianity then for some of us becomes uh, uh, this gospel, this message of sin management, right? I'm saved from sin. I repent from sin. I am forgiven of sin. And then I try not to sin. And then sometimes I still sin anyways. And so then I confess it and I repent and the cycle goes on. And, and, and for some of us, that's the whole thing. And so when we talk about the gospel message, which means good news, we talk about Jesus' good news, really all we're talking about is this gospel of sin management, which means we're looking for what's wrong 
and hoping we can remedy it. And if we do that enough times, then, then maybe we can earn our way to God. Now, we never think it that far, but, but, but we end up becoming very works-based and very looking for everything that's wrong and what can I do to fix this and how can I earn my relationship with God, my connection with God. And can I just tell you that honestly, after a while, it just gets a little bit exhausting. Looking for everything that's wrong and just managing sin, it gets a bit exhausting and we tend to give up. Kind of like kind of like a New Year's resolution. You know, I, I don't do New Year's resolutions because at best, they last until noon on January 2nd, okay? Now, I'm sure all of you are much more resolute in your resolution making, but, but I'm, you know, every December 31st at midnight, I think 90% of Canada goes, well, I'm going on a diet, right? We all do. We're going to eat healthier. We're going to exclude whatever the current thing is that we think we're going to exclude. And we're going to, and I'm going to stop lying and I'm going to stop gossiping. I'm not going to gossip anymore because you know that other person over there, they gossip quite a bit and I don't want to be like them. And then, and then we make a resolution. Some of you caught that. I got to make a resolution. I'm going to stop wasting time. I'm not going to waste any more time. Some of us as Christians, we go, we got New Year's Eve. We go, okay, I'm going to read through the whole Bible in 30 days. And we never get past Genesis. Oh, yeah, I know, because you've told me, right? Or some of us are going, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray an hour every day. And we get four minutes in, and we're just, right? We fall asleep. We don't mean to, but it, but it happens. And, or we go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good neighbor, and what we mean by that is I'm going to not be a jerk to the people around me, which is a very low standard for being a good neighbor. Or, or we decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a good, committed Christian. And what we mean is I'm going to be in church every Sunday morning, all the Sunday mornings, forgetting entirely that there are six actual other days in the week where we're also supposed to be living out our faith. And so we, we just get into this gospel of sin management. And after a while, you just kind of go, ah, Surely there's more. Shouldn't there be more than that to our faith? Now then, for, for other people, Christianity is not so much about sin management. Christianity, our faith becomes, it, it, it ends up meaning um, radical faith. It, it ends up meaning something extraordinary. And that's the main idea of all of it. And it tends to become, when we have this, we just go, I'm going to do something big for God. And I'm going to have this awesome spiritual experience. And I'm going to, I'm going to just change the whole world by Tuesday. And we're going to, everything is about radical faith and, 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 and being extraordinary and bigger than everything else. And it becomes the main idea. And our faith ends up becoming about the moments, right? Like this moment here or that experience there, or this is when I know God spoke to me and now I'm looking for the next one and all that. When Jeff and I were on vacation, I, I was scrolling through Twitter a little bit, and I saw this article that had been published um, by Relevant Magazine, which is a magazine that kind of talks about where faith and culture intersect together, how they shape each other, how they speak to each other. And um, there, there's a link in the app. If you, if you have the app open, you can see the whole article later on if you want to. But I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. It was titled, The Importance of Ordinary Faith and ordinary lives. And this is part of what it said. If you've grown up in the church, you know what I'm referring to. Christian faith has been adorned with adjectives like radical and passionate and visionary and relentless faith. 
And at conferences and in Christian literature, we are bombarded with the idea that the only way to be truly Christian is to live extraordinarily, to do something big for God. And we elevate those with impressive testimonies as the poster children of our faith. And if we're honest with ourselves, until we achieve a similar level of impact, we feel like B-team Christians. And we pine for more of God and for bigger experiences, but we live as though the ordinary, everyday routine of life is God's greatest accident. And true religion, then, is often associated with the extreme and with the emotional moment and with the passionate choice and the mountaintop experience. And this article just goes on to just express the need for each of us to live our ordinary lives, to live our faith out in our ordinary lives, even the mundane bits like, like laundry. Like, can God be present when I'm doing laundry? Is that possible? Or, or, you know, when you're stuck in traffic. I mean, I think we all know God is not there when we're stuck in traffic. But maybe he is, right? And maybe in our ordinary mundane lives, maybe there's something we can do to just live our lives with the awareness that God is here and God is at work. Because, because just as it can be exhausting to, to live our faith by, by just primarily managing sin, it also can be exhausting to live our faith by just leaping from one radical moment to the next. And, I mean, surely there's more. Surely there's more than that. So, and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, sin is real, and, and it will destroy us. And, and confession and repentance and forgiveness, they're important. They're a big thing. But surely there's more to Christian faith than just managing sin. Surely being a Christian is more than just being a good person with less sin in our lives. And, and those deeply impacting moments, you know, those radical moments, those spiritual highs, they shape us and they matter and they're experiences that we hang on to. And I thank God for those moments. But there's sometimes I go through dry seasons, you know, where you just don't have those. And I go, well, surely there's more than just the, the big moments. Surely there's more than just going from one spiritual high to another. And, and then I just go back and look at, at Jesus' words again. And let's, let's look at them again, but unpack them a little bit. Just pause and go, what, what's he saying here? So Matthew 11, again, 28 to 30 in the New Living Translation. This is what he said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. But, okay, just stop there. I will give you rest. But notice it's not, I'll give you a nap, and you can catch up on your sleep, and then just go back to how you were before. Go back to the crazy, busy. No, no, it's this, I will give you, it's this ongoing thing of rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. And we talked about this when we talked about the Sabbath series, that a yoke, you know, if it's on a farm, I'm a farm girl at heart, there's, a, there's oxen and they're plowing together, and you have a yoke that puts them together and then they walk in step with each other, right? And so when Jesus says, take my yoke, he's saying, join yourself to me 
And let's, let's walk it out together. Let's, Jesus sets the pace. He's the one setting the direction, and, and we're going along. But it's this walk together statement. And then he says, let me teach you, which kind of assumes we, well, we have something to learn, right? And then he says, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus says, is easy to bear. But I want you to know there is something to carry. There is some kind of yoke. There's a thing about being tied to Christ. And he says, and the burden that I give you, that Jesus gives, Jesus does give. It's not he gives nothing. There is something to carry. There is some kind of thing to do. But he says, the burden I give you is light. It's this walking it out part of Christianity. It's this, it's this living day-to-day, this daily life, depth of beauty and restfulness, but also a depth of learning and living that's part of our faith. It's part of our Christianity. So then if we, if we take this scripture and we go back to the message version, we can see a little bit of the same thing. So he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus said. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then look at this action. Walk with me. So there's walking one step at a time. There's movement. There's direction. Walk with me and work with me, which is another ongoing action and is so cool that Jesus is going, I'd like you to work with me. There's work to be done. Let's do it together, which is just amazing. I get to work alongside Jesus. And then he says, watch how I do it, like a, like a mentor. I don't know if any of you have ever had, you know, a mentor in your life, but somebody that, that, that knows something that you don't, and they just come alongside of you, and they, they kind of let you see how they do things. And, and as they let you see, they maybe explain it and talk it out a little bit, and then they, hey, why don't you give it a shot? And so you, you try, and then they help tweak it, and until you get, to, you get to learn what you want to learn. Imagine having Jesus do that in your life. Let me mentor you. Watch how I do it, Jesus said. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Now, note, he doesn't say, I will lay nothing on you. doesn't say that. There's still a responsibility, still some work, something that we're going to carry, but it's not going to be heavy. It's not going to fit badly. Keep company with me, Jesus says. Not just a one-time experience. Not, I met Jesus 35 years ago, and, and then that's it. Not that, but like, let's hang out. Let's say ongoing. Let's let Jesus go on. Let's hang out together. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're going to we're going to explore that uh, for the next while together. And, and so I, I'm kind of going, hmm, what are some of these rhythms that we're going to try to just explore a little bit week by week? And I haven't decided on the order or the final list yet, but kind of this idea of walking along with Jesus, working along with Jesus, learning from Jesus. And here's, here's some thoughts that I have that, that's probably going to be part of, of what we do over the next several weeks. Like maybe we can look at, at cultivating, you know, an unforced rhythm of, of gratitude, 
gratitude in our lives. Or, or uh, kind of a, a practice of, of being part of a genuine community of faith. You know, the family of God that, not just coming to church on Sunday. I mean, if we just come to church on Sunday, we sit in our seat, and we don't interact with anybody, and we just, you know, me and God, and they just go home. I mean, we're missing something. So what does it mean to be part of a community, a family of faith together? I mean, I found, I found a bunch of words that start with the letter S which must be holy in some way, that I thought maybe we could look at, like solitude or silence, Sabbath again, scripture, simplicity, a rhythm of simplicity in our lives. That, that could be. I thought about maybe we could explore the unforced rhythms of grace. Maybe we could explore uh, friendship and hospitality, eating together, eating around. You know, there's, there's walls that come down and there's moments that happen and, and relationships are built when we, when we share food together around a table. And is that, Jesus did that all the time. Uh, maybe, maybe we could talk about confession and prayer and fasting. Maybe we could talk about, um, you know, loving our neighbor, like really, like not, not just not being a jerk, but actually loving our neighbor, knowing their name. Right? Some of us don't even know the names of the people that we interact with. So how do, how do we do that? Maybe, maybe practicing forgiveness or reconciliation. That's, that's a thing. Just kind of this, this discernment of watching and, and looking and noticing where God is at work and joining in with that in our regular, ordinary lives. Learning to walk with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, learn from God's word, just these unforced rhythms of grace. Now, somebody who's been in the church for a long time, they're going to come up to me after, and you're going you're gonna to give me a little sideways look, and you're going to go, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about spiritual disciplines. Yes, but don't tell anyone. Because spiritual disciplines makes people go, ooh, I don't want to have that. And that's not the reaction we're looking for. And that's not what they're supposed to be any more than Sabbath was meant to make us go, oh, I can't do that. Let's, not do, let's explore some of these things as actual possible rhythms that we can incorporate into our lives. Some of us for the first time, some of us will have left them by the wayside and we need to bring them back. But just the day in, day out, simply living and walking out and breathing the rhythms of our faith in a way that shapes us and grows us and calls us into a deeper relationship with our God. Now, sometimes when we do a series, we try to give you extra resources because some of you are keeners and you want to know, you know, where's all this stuff coming from. And so I, I got a few that I can recommend if you want. We're not going to follow them strictly, but they might be helpful. We are ordering in and hope to have by next Sunday a book called, uh, it's by Ken Shigematsu, and it's called Survival Guide for the Soul. And he's a pastor and a leader in a church in Vancouver, BC, Canadian guy. And he wrote this book, so simple to read, filled with his own stories, just kind of some, some step by step, some habits that help us to walk in what he calls the yoke of God's love, and I'm calling the unforced rhythms of grace. So that first one there will should be available at the resource zone by next Sunday if you want. The other two you can you can get or download yourself. Uh, you could download Richard Foster's book Celebration of Discipline if that's interesting to you. It's a little bit older, and uh, it, it but it's a real classic on spiritual 
practices or rhythms and disciplines. Or, and, and if you really want to go, you know, ancient, you can go to the practice of the presence of God or practicing the presence of God by, by Brother Lawrence. And that's from a long time ago. That was 17th century, by the way. And you go, well, I don't know if we should be going to old stuff. We should be really cutting edge and new. Well, you know, I think we have something to learn from those who have gone before sometimes, I think. You know, my friend uh, Dom Russo, who spoke here a couple weeks ago, is the pastor of the 180, and I love, he's got this phrase, he goes, you know, Christianity didn't start when you became a Christian. There's, there's history, there's stuff we can learn from those who have gone before, there's 2,000 years worth of stuff we can learn. So those are some suggestions, you can probably download those last two pretty cheap, maybe even free, depending on where you find it from, but anyway, that's up to you. Last winter, maybe around February, I think, um, we felt like God, and we just talked about it, and it just felt like God was calling our church to something deeper. If you were here, you heard me say that over and over again, that we felt like God was calling us as a church to, you know, a little bit out of the comfortable, into a space that we've maybe never been before, a space we're not sure what it looks like, but calling us to something deeper. And I, I think that's still true. And somebody recently said to me, they came up to me, they said, Pastor Patty, remember when you said that a few months ago? I go, yeah. They said, you know, it occurred to me recently that maybe it's not just for the church, maybe it's for me too. Yes. They said, because I'm, I'm a part of the church. Yes. You are the church. And so maybe even this series is part of each of us as the church Getting, just going a little bit deeper, following Jesus to a little bit deeper. And somebody goes, well, I don't know. What are you going to do about managing sin? Because that's going to be a problem. Why? Call me crazy. I suspect that the more we walk with Jesus, I think the Holy Spirit's going to handle the sin part a little bit. And somebody goes, well, but aren't we going to pursue radical faith and really look for the exciting moments? You know, can I just say that I suspect that the more we make room in our ordinary lives for a God who is present even when we're stuck in traffic, and we actually notice it and start to pay attention to it, and we watch for and we work with and we walk with Jesus, I suspect our faith is going to deepen, and we are going to see God at work in ways that we never even saw before. That's what I think. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off this series, this fall season, whatever. We're going to start it off with one of the oldest unforced rhythms of all today. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going we're gonna to share communion together. Can, can I just talk about that for a minute? That, you know, Jesus and, and his 12 disciples, when they, they, those who, Jesus' disciples, those who walked most closely with Jesus, those who were right there in ordinary life, day in, day out with Jesus, they were the first ones to experience this practice, this rhythm. Now, they didn't know it was going to be a rhythm. They just thought it was supper. They just thought it was the Passover supper, and they didn't know it was going to become something that would become a practice or a, a rhythm of some kind. They just thought it was a, but in the middle of this Passover supper that they were sharing together, Jesus looks around at those who are walking with him day in, day out, and Jesus knows that the next day he's going to be crucified. They don't know that, but he does. And he does kind of the strangest thing. 
He just, just picks up the bread that they've already been eating, picks it up from the table, and he, and he passes it around the table, and he goes, hey, have some. Break off a little piece for yourself. And then he says, this is me. This is, this, I'm here in this ordinary thing. This is my body. I'm giving myself to you. I'm giving myself for you in this, in this bread. And then he, then he passed the wine around that they've probably already been drinking. And he said, you know, just have some. Drink it in. Because I'm in this. I'm in this very ordinary thing here. And I'm giving myself to you. I'm giving myself for you. And then he said, and whenever you do this ordinary thing, whenever you have these very regular moments of, of daily life, do this to remember me. Just, just eating bread and drinking some wine. It's this invitation to remember Jesus, to invite Jesus in, to, to make him central, even in something so mundane and so simple as just eating bread and having a drink. So we're going to do that together today. And here's, here's how we're going to do it. Let me explain it because some of you have not been here before. So first of all, let me say, if you are a follower of Jesus, but you're not part of this specific church, maybe you're just visiting or whatever, you are entirely welcome to participate with us. We're very glad that you're here and you are quite welcome. If you are here and you go, I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus, but I I think I want to be, or I want to move in that direction. I want to invite, you can participate, and we are together going to pray a prayer, inviting Jesus into our lives, and you can join in that, and you can participate with us in, in this rhythm of grace. And so here's what we'll do. In just a few seconds, I'll invite you to stand, and then I'll, you'll see that there's stations at the front, the middle of the back. There's maybe one, I'm not sure if there's one in the, yes, somebody's waving at me. We have a station in the balcony as well, and in the Connect Cafe. And you're going to go to one of those stations, and they're going to give you a little bit of bread, and they're going to give you a little cup of, of juice. And you don't take it right away. Go back to where your seat is, and just go back there, and, and just wait. And, and once everybody has gotten uh, the bread and the juice and goes back to their seat, then what we're going to do is we're going to pray together, we're going to take some time, and, and then we're going to take it together, and I will lead us through that. So, so let's, let's do it, shall we? Would you stand with me? Stand up, and would you just move to a station, either one that's near you or one that has a short line? If there's someone near you that has mobility struggles, maybe bring it back for them as well. And just, just go and get your bread and get your juice. Take it back to your own seat where you are and just, just wait, and we will, we'll just take it together. I'll lead us through that when, when the moment comes.
even as you take it and you go back to your seat and you're just waiting, let me just focus in a little bit and realize that God is here. This is our Father's world and just start to look for the sacred in this ordinary moment. So God, we're, we're here, some of us sitting, some of us standing, doesn't matter. And we just pause to invite you into this ordinary moment. We pause to invite you to into this, this simple act, this simple rhythm of grace. And would you make it sacred by your presence? the same way that you did for the disciples that first time, would you help us to hear you saying, I'm giving myself to you. Just eat this, drink this. This is me. I'm here in these ordinary things. God, as we just pause in the sacredness of this moment, it's often when we tend to realize our own stuff so we confess our sins to you we confess that we have at times not done what you've called us to do even this week we confess to you moments where we have been selfish moments where we have been impatient or angry Moments where we have ignored a need and we knew right well you were calling us to not ignore it. We all have things in our lives, God. Moments where we have put into our head, into our minds, things that just aren't honoring to you. And we confess these things to you and we ask that you would forgive us. Would you, would you forgive? Would you cleanse? Would you wash away that stuff? Jesus, your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. So we're standing on that and asking you to do that today. For some of us, it's our first time or our first time in a long time. And we're not even sure what all of it means except we just say, Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to give our lives to you. We want to live our lives in a way that is under your leadership and submit that to you and, and ask you to lead it and you to guide us in how you call us to live. We make you the Lord of our lives choose to do that now God so Lord now as we go into this moment as we even go into our week where we're going into the, 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 the regular stuff 
starting with this moment, God, would you make it sacred? Would you let this become an unforced rhythm of grace in our lives even now? The Bible says that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, just regular bread, and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is me. This is my body, which is broken, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you that you are present in these ordinary things. Thank you for giving us you. Can we take the bread together? In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this, drink this ordinary wine in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus, thank you for giving yourself for us, giving yourself to us. We remember and we honor that as we drink it. Can we drink that together? sacredness of this moment thank you that you make us clean that you make us holy and that we proclaim you just through this simple rhythm of grace this simple practice as we all just stand together at this moment we we're going to stand together and close in prayer god we are walking out of here in what has been a sacred space and time into our ordinary lives and into our um our week filled with classes and papers and jobs and kids and spouses and neighbors and laundry, all that stuff. God, would you help us to see you in all those places? Would you help us to carry you into all those places? Would you teach us what it is to see the sacred work of God in the ordinary parts of our lives. And then as we do, would you help us then to do good and to love each other and to reveal Jesus to a world that really, really needs to know you. Help us to do that well. Keep us safe. Keep our eyes on you. Keep us close to you. And would you bring us back safely next Sunday? And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you would like to receive prayer this morning, we have a ministry team at all of these stations you just went to, and you are welcome to go there, and they'll pray for you. They'll chat with you. Make sure you say hi to somebody else and uh, have a coffee downstairs. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.